Life Audio. Psalm 66 is one that has some really interesting elements that we're going to explore today. But two things that I love about this psalm is first, there's this verbiage where it says, come and see. And it's talking about collectively, come and see what God has done for Israel, for the collective group, for the community. And then there's come and hear what God has done for me. And it takes a step further than just telling somebody to come and see. Like if you're inviting somebody to church and you say, come and see what God's doing, it's a lot different than if you take that next step and say, come and listen to what God has done for me. And and it talks about this power that is our testimony when we can explain to people on a firsthand basis, what God is doing in and through us in our lives. So I pray that this episode is a blessing to you as we kind of unpack that a little bit more. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we will dive into today's episode. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are going to be going through a psalm that is really a call to both a corporate aspect and an individual aspect. So we're in Psalm 66, and just as a reminder, we are working our way through the psalms as a daily devotional reading to help us better understand this hymn book, this psalm book that Jesus and the disciples quoted more often than any other book in the Bible. And so if you're just joining us, you can go back to the introduction of the psalms and you can work your way through one at a time, or you can just hop in where we're at and maybe go back at a later date. Either way, I pray that this is a blessing for you. If you are going back, we do have a Psalms journal that might be helpful. It includes um, journaling prompts and some key verses and some space for you to journal your thoughts to kind of just help you get the information from your head into your heart. So the Psalms journal is only $5. You can print it. You can use it digitally, whatever works best for you. And that covers Psalms 1 through 50. Again, you can find that at shehears.org. So today we are in Psalm 66. I'm going to start with verse 1. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his name glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come and see what God has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. He turned the sea into dry land. 
They pass through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips answered and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. So Psalm 66, it's this big idea that there's this redemptive work that God is doing in our lives. And that redemptive work is an extension of the redeeming acts that he has done throughout history because God is the redeemer. And so the key themes that we see in Psalm 66 is that really God's reign is universal. There is no limit to God's reign. And we see this theme of prayer, the intercessory prayer being a type of praise. And then also this idea and this question that it leaves us with, does God hear a sinner's prayer? Or does God answer a sinner's prayer? And so that's kind of what we're going to be exploring as we go throughout today's psalm. Psalm 66 is kind of a hybrid of both a hymn and a community psalm that is kind of like what we did yesterday, a, a psalm of thanksgiving, but it's also an individual psalm of thanksgiving. And so there's this theme of thanksgiving throughout. And, you know, when I say thanksgiving, I'm talking about literally giving thanks, not the holiday thanksgiving, just to be clear on that. But it, it is used both in the community sense and in the individual sense. And, and I say that for a couple reasons, which we'll get into here in a minute. We don't know for certain what the historical setting of Psalm 66 is. It gives a hint that there's some adversity because that adversity is what has prompted the psalmist to make a vow of thanksgiving and to be in the temple and praising God when it talks about how in verse 14, when I was in trouble. Um, but that's really all we get. We don't really know for sure what the trouble was. But again, like we said yesterday, we know that uh, the life of David was full of trouble. And in that culture, there was so many things that were so hard and so difficult that we can imagine it was one of the many things that we have talked about over the course of this study of Psalms. There are some scholars that suggest that it could have been a military victory, but we don't really see military language. Um, there's a possibility that it was similar to yesterday's psalm, it was spoken during one of the agricultural festivals and perhaps Psalm 65 and 66 were complementary. Um, that's what a lot of scholars lend themselves to, that these two were, were written together or used together at least. But I think the, the key theme, regardless, that we want to hone in on today is this idea of the redemption of Israel. And we see this relationship where God's faithful to his people, Israel, and he, this, this is a reminder, it serves as a reminder of the ways that God has been faithful throughout their history. 
So there's a lot of metaphors in here where it talks about laying our burdens down and, and a couple different things we'll get into here in a minute. But one thing I want to point out is that none of these things is a complete list. And so while we will hit on a couple different topics, just because it omits something doesn't mean that it doesn't refer to that as well. It's it's kind of like when you go back and you list, uh, you know, great things that happen to you throughout your life. It's not discrediting the other things that you're not listing, even if they were just great. It's just kind of a recollection of some of the ways that God was faithful throughout their history. So let's get into it. Psalm 66, let's see, verse three, go back a little bit. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. This idea of cringing, um, I want to just kind of point it out that what it, what it's saying here is that there's this idea that God's enemies are being obedient to God, even though they don't like it, but they're, they're aware of the power of God and they're being obedient to get out from underneath that power or the, um, result of disobedience to that power. And I think that's important because when it's talking about enemies, while we don't necessarily have enemies that are chasing us down to kill us every, every single day. I mean, maybe you do. I don't, hopefully I don't, but, but while we don't have that, that present physical fit, uh, threat of enemies, we do have a very real enemy that is constantly after us. And this is such a clear picture of what we also learn in the new Testament that, at the name of Jesus, every name shall, every knee shall bow. And what we're seeing here is the same theme of the enemies of God cringe. Because that word cringe, it's really this idea of um, like an unwilling homage. So in order to avoid that consequence, like I said, they're willing to do just whatever they need to do because they recognize the power that's there. And that is an important foundational principle for our lives when we are under attack, when we feel like we are under attack from the enemy, that God has given us an authority as believers. We see this taught in the New Testament that we can speak to this enemy and command it to flee. And because of the authority through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given us, there has to be this obedience there. And I don't know about you, but when I am feeling attacked, I appreciate the ability to speak to that enemy, to speak to that attack and command it to flee and know that even if it's begrudgingly, even if it doesn't want to, even if it's cringing, that the authority of Jesus gives me the the ability to speak to that enemy and stop it in its tracks. I actually think right here we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll get into the rest of this psalm. Stay tuned. I want to jump down now to verse 5. It says, Come and see what God has done, how awesome his works in man's behalf. That reminds me of the phrase that the new popular TV series The Chosen has been using and if you've not watched that I would encourage you to watch it as it's a series that goes through the relationships that Jesus has and it is biblical fiction so you have to remember that it is a fictional account of probable events that are based on scripture and it and it takes a look at these relationships that Jesus has with these individuals and it showcases this um 
part of scripture that I think really helps us understand Jesus's humanity as well as how he's fully God and fully man. But I think sometimes for me, especially when I started watching that show, I would forget that Jesus had this aspect of humanity to him. He laughed. He joked around. He um, was in true authentic relationship with these people. And that's why he had such a strong influence was the way that he loved people. I mean, that's not the only reason why, but it's part of the reason why. And it's a model for us to use when we are, are talking to other people. And so one of their things that they say in that show is come and see. And of course, it's talking about Jesus. But the same thing applies here where it's showcasing come and see what God has done and I love that aspect because it's such a clear example that there is this aspect of recognizing the events that have taken place throughout history in Israel's history on behalf of God's people the way he has intervened on their behalf and in this psalm in Psalm 66 what it's doing is it's really radiating this blessing that God has promised through Abraham and it starts with this universal perspective, but it kind of filters down to this idea of come and see what God has done. And it's a call to really recognize these awesome deeds that, that he did as he brought Israel out of Egypt and he gave him the land of Canaan. And it goes into verse six right below it. It says, he turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. It's a reminder that we have a God that turned the sea into dry land. And it's talking about, of course, two different things. Um, if you didn't know, there were two situations in the Old Testament that this has happened. The first was the crossing of the Red Sea in the Exodus, Exodus chapter 14 and 15. And then also the Jordan River in I would challenge you that if you don't know the story of the Jordan River, go back and read that in Joshua chapter 3. But both of them were times when they had God had taken the water and he had separated the water so that the people could walk through and pass on foot on dry land. We serve a God that is known for working even in a supernatural way on the behalf of his people. And so there's been this sense of faithfulness to Israel during this entire era where God brought them through literally through fire and water and he continues to be faithful. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, come and see what God has done. And it's really this idea of God has not withheld love from this individual as the psalmist or this nation as Israel. There, of course, when we're talking about Egypt, when we're talking about that trial, there was a time of testing down in verse 10. So 9, he talks about preserving their lives. And verse 10, it says, for you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. And so when it's talking about testing, of course, it's talking about the Egyptian bondage, because if you follow the chain of events, that's where we're at. And that was, of course, this 400 year period of slavery of Israel when they were in Egypt. And what he's saying here is that this was not necessarily a punishment, but this was the purpose of refining them as a nation. And he, he alludes to this process of silver refining silver. And there's a couple things that I think are helpful when we talk about the refinement of silver. That refinement of silver was a process that started very, very, very long ago, and it was done in a furnace. And so what would happen is, is the silver would have been mixed in with lead and, you know, maybe some other impure metals. And in order to separate them, 
you know, that lead would attach itself to the silver in order to separate them, you would have to heat it up. And there would be um, this fire that would burn to a certain point where those metals, because they have different melting points, they would separate. Sometimes that process, that refinement process, would have to happen seven times in order to complete the cycle and get the purest result. That refining process is what he's alluding to when he's talking about them being refined like silver and being tested. And I think there's a couple of things that that we can recognize with that illusion. The refining process requires this expertise and this intimate knowledge of how to complete that process and the tools and the metals involved. And what it's doing is it's creating this metaphor for God's testing of the heart, the weighing of the heart. Just like there was this process that they were going through as part of the Egyptian captivity, there's this refinement process that happens when God tests our heart. Now you may question, why did they even need to do that in the first place? Why would God be doing that? Why not just, you know, deliver them immediately? Well, when we're talking about this refinement process, what has to happen in order for that silver, that precious metal to be shaped into what it is destined to be, the ultimate purpose of that metal, the jewelry or the decoration or whatever it is, it has to be purified in a way that the creator can use it in its best form. And so regardless of how that process happens, this there's a proper refining of that metal that becomes this parallel of the way that God is trying to refine us so that we could be used in the way that he has designed us to be used. And I don't know about you, but for me, that gives me a lot of peace when I'm in a situation while, while I don't recognize, um, the hardship really on a personal level that they must have gone through as being slaves in Egypt. I certainly recognize what it means to be tested and to be in a season of waiting where I feel like I'm just being tested over and over and over again. And I think there's an encouragement for us that we can look at that time of testing and know that that is a season where God is refining us, perhaps for our greatest destiny, perhaps for the thing that he has created us for, perhaps to mold us into something that can be, be used in a way that couldn't have if we had not gone through that refinement process. So I want to go down now to verse 16, which is the opposite side of that, where he's talking about after that refinement process, he says, come and listen, all you who fear God, let me tell you what he has done for me. I think it's one thing to say, come and see. And, and I think about that in terms of when we are inviting people to church or we're inviting people to see something that God is doing in our community, that is a corporate testimony of what God has done on behalf of his people. But the next step is come and listen All you who fear God, let me tell you what he has done for me. You can't get any more clear than that because there's just this power in this personal testimony. That's one of the things that we talked about yesterday, that the idea of evangelism should not be that difficult when we think about it in terms of just telling people what God has done in our lives. We don't have to have the perfect strategy or the perfect plan. It really just needs to be a willingness to share with others what God is doing and has done in your life. And that power of personal testimony makes all the difference. And I love that example that we see here in verse 16. 
The last thing I want to mention is verse 18. It says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. And this is a a topic that gets brought up where um, it's talking about the idea of whether or not God answers the prayers of people that are not have not yet come to faith in him that are still living a sinful life or inside their own wickedness that are, have not been pursuing righteousness. And what this Psalm seems to indicate is that there's a question of whether or not God would even answer the prayer of sinners. Now there's some scholars that say that's the only kind of prayers that God answers because we are all sinners. And while that certainly is true, what the psalmist is referring to is this condition of the heart where you might be looking at, you know, there, there's this outward conduct that um, reveals the, the inner motives. And so I think there's a danger here if we don't pay attention, because even in Second Timothy, Paul will say everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. And so if we are praying to God, but yet we are still harboring wickedness in our heart. Um, Those prayers, and this is my philosophy on it, those prayers are not likely to be aimed at righteousness because if our hearts are still wicked, if we are still living for ourselves and we've not yet pursued God and died to self and started pursuing righteousness, then the, the likelihood of those prayers even being in line with God's will is very slim because our there's a whole perspective shift that happens when we come to faith in Christ. And so my challenge to you would be, what is your focus? And are you, if you're feeling like your prayers are going unanswered, um, have you made that initial step of coming to faith in Christ and confessing that he is Lord and believing that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again to redeem you from those sins? And and once you've made that perspective shift, then it's a whole different thing when our prayers go un- unanswered because an unanswered prayer for a believer is a prayer. It, it's just sometimes it's not answered in the timeline that we would want. So, so for example, um, you know, I've talked about my adoption story. We've had a failed adoption, which you can go back and listen to that story in a previous episode. But, but for us, that, that time of waiting, that season of waiting, there was an answer. The answer was no. And while I don't necessarily understand that, I won't understand this side of heaven. I trust God. So even when I don't understand, I trust him. And so that lack of answer to prayer was an answer. And I can be confident of that because of the relationship I have with him. And God has redeemed that in so many ways in my life where I can say to people, come and listen to what God has done in my life. That's a testimony. It's not an anguish like it would be if, if I was still kind of in this place of waiting and, and not understanding and this faithfulness that we see throughout the scriptures. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and read chapter 66, starting at verse 1. Shout with joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come and see what God has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, for he has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. 
You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and listen. All you who fear God, let me tell you what he has done for you, done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. God, we thank you that you do not withhold your love from us. We thank you that you have not rejected our prayer, but yet you hear our prayers, that surely you have listened and you have heard our voice. God, help us to be people that say, come and listen, come and listen, and let me tell you what he has done for me. God, I pray that you would burden our hearts so much so that it would be an overflow of our hearts to share with others what you have done in the past and what you are doing now. God, I thank you for your presence in the Psalms, the way you reveal yourself over and over and over again, and the way that we can allow that to inform how we can pursue relationship with you. God, if we are in this time of testing, of refinement, help us to look at that not as punishment, but as testing because we know that you are trustworthy and it will lead us to a place of abundance. So God, I thank you for that place of abundance. I thank you for the overflow. I thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus name. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears Ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been about that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.